Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Uh, my name is Taylor. I am the relational ministry leader here at Life Church, and I want to thank you all for joining us here today. Before we go into this week's message, we have a couple items of business we want to take care of. First is, uh, if we have your information, you've probably seen our annual report in your mailbox. Um, our annual report, again, it's something we do annually, and we send it out with what we're doing here at Life Church, the missions that we have, the vision that we have, prayers, uh, finances, everything that we have about our church, we put in our annual report, and that should be in your mailbox. And if it's not, you can uh, visit the Connect Center right out here in the cafe, and you can grab your annual report uh, before you go today if you want to learn more about what we're doing here at Life Church. Additionally, next week will be our church business meeting. Uh, so business will look kind of like normal, but after service, uh, the elders will be in a conference room standing by ready to answer any questions that you might have about the vision or the mission of the church or what we're doing and what we think and what we feel that God has put in our hearts to continue uh, to do here. So any questions at all next week, you can visit our elder team at the business meeting. All right, so last week we talked about and we kicked off this series called Who is God? And the whole premise of kicking off this series of Who is God is that not only would we look at the attributes of God, but we're going to look at how knowing who he says he is can help us in our relationships with him and relationships with others. And, and last week we talked about the concept that God is the I am and the I am is an eternal God. He exists before all time. He exists today, and he exists for eternity in the future, right? That he is this God that we can't even begin to fully comprehend. And we talk about Moses in the burning bush. And that's good for us to know because when you first come to know who God is and who he says he is, it's important that we recognize how vast our God is. And then we talked about how God knows all things and how he's, he's everywhere at all times. And that's his omniscience, his omnipresence. And the reason that was important that we spoke about that is that you can't sin in secret. Like there's nowhere that you can go that God isn't. And no matter who you are projecting yourself to be, God knows your heart and he sees all things, knows all things. Additionally, we talked about how Jesus says he's the resurrection and the life. And that's important for us as maturing Christians because it's our job to go show others who God is, and that's that God that's brought us from death to life. And so if you didn't catch last week's sermon, you can download the Life Church app, uh, and you can watch more on our YouTube, but I just want to give you a little bit of framework for where we're going into uh, today. And today I decided, after a lot of prayer and meditation on this topic, I wanted to talk about one attribute, and that's God's omnipotence. And that means that God is all-powerful. He possesses all complete, full, perfect power. And I don't want to get this confused with his sovereignty because the omnipotence is that God is able to do anything that he pleases because he's all powerful, because he possesses all power. It's not the sovereignty piece that says he can do whatever he wants, whatever he pleases because he reigns over all things. That's sovereignty. This omnipotence I want to focus on, this power, means that God has the ability to do what he says that he will do. He will do whatever is a part of his will. And this is important for us because we have to know God and who he is and that he is consistent 
with who he says he is. He will not stray from who he says he is. That God can't do certain things, okay? God cannot deny himself. God cannot fail, right? Those are things that are inconsistent with who God is. So I want us to know all the things that God is able to do, and it's important to know that he is only gonna do the things that are consistent with who he tells us and has revealed to us that he is. And the problem is when it comes to omnipotence is that we sometimes don't see that because we're not letting God be God in the first place. That we're saying, this is my circumstances and this is my understanding. And that those blessings that God has for me, I can't see them. But oftentimes, that comes from us not understanding who he is in the first place. You see, God wants to bless you and he wants to give you everything that you need. But it comes with our relationship with him. It says, if you give him the chance to do something, he will. Like, if you, I don't have my watch on, it's really weird. But if you look at your watch, right, you want everything to be according to your time, your schedule. Everything fits in, in our time frame, in our wills, in life. But it's God's time to begin with. And we forget that sometimes. And we forget that it's God's will over our will. And this is a barrier for us to understand the power of who God is. And if you're not experiencing that power, let me remind you, there is no deficiency in God's power, none at all. If you're not experiencing it, there's probably a deficiency in your own faith. And I'm not here to point fingers and make you feel hard and harsh on yourself, but I'm here to tell you the truth about what it is. God is not deficient. So if we want to experience that, it takes us to give him our hearts. And God eventually will work in unexpected ways. He's going to work in ways that we can't explain. When we surrender our wills to him and we say, God, you do what only you can do, we have the ability to experience his power. And if you're not experiencing, I want to ask you this right now. Are you letting God do what only he can do? Are you letting God use you? And if not, why? Because this is what he, he asks us to do. We'll look into the Bible in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 16, verse 9. And the whole reason we want to look to the Bible, obviously, and know who God is is because we can live sent and on mission for others to know who he says he is. So 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Right? God is looking to use people. He's looking to you to use his power through you, but there's one condition, and that condition is that you would give your heart to him fully. Not part of it, not when you feel like it, that you would fully give him your heart. And he'll be willing to do what he's able to do through you if you give him that. Another thing that God looks at is if you're living your life, like we've said, in your will or his will. And, and understand that if God's going to give you something, he has to trust you with it. That we have, we have a charge in our lives to take what God has given us and grow his kingdom. And so can God trust you to give you that power are you going to use that to glorify him when something spectacular happens in your life? Are you going to say, that was for God? That was God through me? Or are you going to say, look what I did? Because he knows you better than you know yourself. 
And he wants you to recognize that you need to use his power for his glory because that's what it is to begin with. And it starts as a matter of our heart. That's where it all originates. Giving, up, giving him our hearts fully is what he asks us. So look at the condition of your heart if you're not experiencing that. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 through 29 says, Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. In our weaknesses, that's where God's strong. And we can look back in in Isaiah chapter 40, he actually dedicates almost an entire chapter to the fact that weakness can be, God's power can be revealed through our weaknesses. And he's talking about Israel and As we know the story of Israel's past, it's a smaller nation and there's giants all around Israel. There's larger nations, there's bigger armies, there's a smaller group of people that God chose. But in all of that, God wants to use this nation to show his power. And he takes this nation, if we look back on the stories of Israel, he shows his power clearly through people who have no chance and stand no chance in this world. And it's a whole display of God's power. And Isaiah knows this, and you have to think Israel is struggling with the fact that they haven't seen this promised land at times, and there are certain things that are hindering their vision of what they expected God to do. And they say, God, if you are so powerful, why don't you just deliver us from all that we've been through? But that's exactly what God wants to do if your hearts are fully his. Because what happened to Israel? We can look back. Israel, delivered from slavery, complained. Goes into the wilderness for 40 years when they weren't supposed to be. Complained the whole time. Every time God had a blessing for them, something occurred and it took away their vision of God's power. But yet God was still there. He was still present and he was still willing to make a seemingly weak nation the most powerful nation because God wanted to show the world who he is. So how do we get that power? Like we said, God wants to use you for that power, but first you have to ask him for it. And he says, ask me, only me, because I am the source of infinite power. We can't be looking to ourselves to be powerful. We can't be looking to others and confirmation from others to be powerful. We have to be looking to God, and that's what he asks about us. He releases that power based on faith alone. And if you read the Bible, it's evident that it takes faith if you want to see God's power, that no matter where you're going, you have to give God all of you to see more of him. And if you're not trusting him, would he release it? There's a story about a man in Jesus' day who has a son who's possessed with a demon. And this man is trying to heal his son, and he's out of options. So he takes his son to the disciples, and he's like, okay, well, the disciples can help me out here. I need my son healed. I need him delivered. Disciples are struggling with this. And just when he needed a savior, the savior comes. Just like in our lives, when you need a savior, he's always ready to be there to take action for you. So this man, it's his last resort. He's like, Jesus, I need you to heal my son. And look at what this says. The man says to him, but if you can do anything Take pity on us and help us. And listen to Jesus' answer here because this 
is the barrier to experiencing God's power. It says in Mark chapter 9, verse 23 through 24, he says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. That guy's making an honest admission like, I do believe in you, but I need to be better about it. I need more of you, and I know I can always do better. So I need you to help me where I have unbelief. And guess what happens in that moment? The power of God flows through Christ the Son, and it heals this boy, and it delivers him. Jesus spoke a word, and God's power was released because this man says, listen, I believe, but I need to believe more, and I need to see my own faith come out through you. And our faith is what this barrier is to experiencing God's power. You see, God is able to do all things. We live in an age today where we know power in different ways. We have planes that can fly thousands of miles, carry tons and tons of cargo and personnel all over the world. There's rocket ships that can be launched from Earth into space, right? We're learning nuclear energy. That's power through science. There's tsunamis that can take out entire cities. There's wind that can break down buildings and fire that can melt rocks and whatever else. That's the power of nature. And then there's football players who can knock the ever-living soul out of another human being. And that's power that we know in the flesh. But even if you took all of that power, it doesn't even begin to touch God's power. Even if you took nature and science and what we have right now, our own strength, we don't even begin to compare to what God's power is. And that's important because when we're talking about God's power, I'm not talking about those three things. I'm talking about how amazingly powerful God is. So when we, we know that God is the source of all power, it's important to know that it's not just the, the uh, physical realm of the world that we know. That's not just where his power is, but it's also in the spiritual realm. And Tyler actually shared something this morning about how uh, God is able and, and bigger than all our circumstances, and it's very true. There is literally no circumstance, no problem that you will ever face in life that has more power than God. And this, I want to share this story about this, because when we remember who God is in our circumstances, we can remember who we can trust in and put our faith in. So there's a man, uh, and at a young age, uh, he becomes a famous musician. At the age of 12, he becomes a famous musician. And he's born into a Christian home, but again, he's young, and he doesn't really know what to believe. And so this man travels from Georgia up to Chicago, and he's becoming this professional uh, music artist playing blues and jazz music. And in this, he kind of has a moment with Jesus where He's stuck where playing secular blues music back in the early 1900s, by the way. And now he sees like, man, I, I think I want to make music for God. I think I want to give everything that I have to God. So he starts to write music for the Lord and he's selling it to people so that they can use in their churches. And he's even writing it for himself. And he becomes so famous that he actually performs with someone like Louis Armstrong. And this man finds a beautiful woman, he marries her, and they are ready to have their first child. So he goes on tour once more, 
And then he finds out that his wife passed away during childbirth. And then he finds out later that his son passed away as well. You see, this man clearly falls into a dark place. In not just that specific scenario, but in something like that, we've all been there before, where you've fallen into a dark place, and you're like, wait a second, the God who's all-powerful, let me be here? And you have to understand that when we trust in who God says he is and that he is all-powerful, that we can be delivered from these circumstances. You see, this man, time goes on, and he hasn't played music in a while because he's been just so distraught and depressed. He goes up to a piano and he begins to play some notes. Something that he remembers that he can do that brings him some peace. And then these words just start flowing from his heart. And the words are, precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. And if you're not familiar with the story, you're probably familiar with something about this story. Because this is a story of Thomas Dorsey And Thomas Dorsey is actually known as the father of gospel music. And this is how it started. Because God had the power to deliver him from his circumstances, so he surrendered his will over to God no matter what life was giving him. And he did what God had called him to do. And now he has this legacy of what he has done for our Lord. And so I want to look into some biblical accounts of what it is for God to be able to do things beyond our understanding. So Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. God reveals himself as Lord Almighty, and we'll talk about that. But after he reveals himself to Abram, remember last week we talked about names in the Bible mean things, so we need to open these up. God changes Abraham, Abram's name to Abraham. Abraham means father of many. See, God's about to enter this covenant with Abraham, and he says, listen, I'm God Almighty, and I'm going to give you and make you into many great nations. I'm going to leave you descendants more than you can even measure. And so God changes Abram's name to Abraham. And in this Abraham's like, all right, well, I need a son in order to build a legacy. But unfortunately, Abraham's wife, Sarai at the time, is unable to bear a child. Remember, Abraham's 99. So God then speaks to Abraham, this promise that he's going to fulfill the covenant that he's made with him. And Abraham's like, well, I can't even have a son. So Abraham goes to, and and Sarai agrees that her slave, Egyptian slave named Hagar, will be the one who's going to bear Abraham the son. So Abraham and Hagar have a baby. His name is Ishmael. And right after he has a son, God comes up and he's like, "Uh, I'm going to give you a son with Sarah, which is who you're going to call her now. Sarah means princess of many. He changes Sarai to Sarah. He says, I'm going to give you a child with the woman that you're married to now. And Abraham's like, whoa, I just had a kid. And now this is the one that you want me to continue with. And this is, how is this even possible? Listen, Abraham was 99 and Sarah is 90. Humanly speaking, that's not possible. That's not meant to happen to bear a child in those times. But by the way God introduces himself as God Almighty, Abraham 
and Sarah are able to believe what God could do for them. You see, the term for God Almighty is El Shaddai that he uses in there, the Hebrew term. That's the same God who has all the power, and he can even rejuvenate a womb to someone who is in their 90s, as long as you believe that he will do it, because you understand who God is. That's what Abraham and Sarah's issue was the whole time, is they just had to believe. And, and I think it's interesting when, when we see biblical characters discover God in that way. So Abraham's 90, 99 and Sarah's 90 in Genesis 18, verses 12 through 14 says, So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son Guess what they name that son, who the Lord tells him to name it? Isaac, which means he laughs. And so we have had experiences like this before where we are like, there's no way that this person could keep a promise like that. And God's making a promise that I'm going to have a son with this woman in our 90s, and that's going to be who we begin this covenant with. And that's part of our problem is that when we don't trust someone in that if you've ever made a promise with someone and they don't live up to that, you lose that trust. Or maybe you have that emotion or feeling of hurt in your past with a relationship. And we talked about this last week, but what do we do with those feelings? We put them on God and we say, this is who God is. But that's not who God is. That's not who God says he is. That's how we feel in that moment. Because God revealed himself here as God almighty, all powerful. And he's able to do it all if we just believe this leads me into Jeremiah. This was another story I felt like I wanted to share in the Bible about how we don't see it, but we have to believe it. See, Jeremiah is told that Judah is going to be overtaken by the Babylonians, that God is going to take people, his chosen people, into exile, all the land, everything, gone. And Jeremiah's like, oh, I thought we were like living in this promise and we're going forward, but God says he's taking it all away. Well, God tells Jeremiah, additionally, I want you to buy your cousin's land. And Jeremiah's like, hang on a second. You're going to take all the people away. You're going to take all of our land away, yet you want me to buy land that's just going to be taken away from me anyway? But maybe if we trust who God is, like Jeremiah did, maybe we'll be faithful and just understand that he's got a plan that we can't comprehend. So Jeremiah buys his cousin's land, and this is that land that God eventually will take Israel back to, even though they've been taken out into slavery and captivity, right? But look at what, what Jeremiah wanted to, what he says to God in uh, Jeremiah verse, chapter 32, verse 17. He says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. See, he's trying to believe that somehow, some way, this land that's supposed to be taken away that he just bought is going to be the very thing that God's going to use in the future. But Jeremiah is saying, listen, I know you created the heavens and the earth and everything, and that creation is, is our evidence of how powerful you are. Because God spoke a word and everything came into existence without materials. 
God speaks a word and holds the world together to this day by a spoken word of how powerful he is. And Jeremiah is saying, I, I know you made this, so I, I have to trust you, I guess. In, verse, in Jeremiah 32, verse 27, God is speaking to Jeremiah's struggling faith here. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And clearly not, because we know how the story goes, and Israel is set free again. But I want to, this is all good and well that we know that within this, God is able to do things, right? And you're probably sitting there saying, but how can God use his power in my life? And I want to turn to Jude. If uh, you've missed over Jude in the Bible before, it's right before Revelation. It's just this. This is Jude, one chapter. Jude uh, ends with the doxology in verses 24 and 25. And it says this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. I say amen. So, understand that God has the ability to keep you even when you can't keep yourself. That he can keep you from stumbling and falling. What is stumbling and falling? When we look into that verse, that means he can keep you from falling into sin and he can keep you from falling away from your faith. That same God who can take you from a guilty sinner on earth can pick you up and present you blamelessly before God in heaven. You can't do that on your own. That's not possible. Only our Savior was able to do that for us. See, in the Old Testament, we talk about giving sacrifices, and when you sin, there had to be some sort of offering or sacrifice to give to God. But those sacrifices had to be without blemish. They had to be pure. And that's what Jesus did. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, the lamb without blemish. He became the sacrifice, and he took our place so that we could be presented before God blamelessly and whole. Psalm 121, verse 3 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. God is not going to let your foot be moved. He's not going to let you fall away or stumble if you trust in him, if you remain in him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13 says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, God wants to take you as that sinner and present you because he knows you can get through this. Verse 25 of Jude says, To the only God our Savior be the glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. What does this say? This says that it's not a, what God does in your life isn't about you. It's about him. 
because that's where the praise belongs in the first place. You see, you have to trust God to bring you to the glory of God, right? You have to trust that only through him and his son that you can be presented before the throne, but you also have to praise the same God that's gonna do that. That same God is worthy of that unending praise. Unending praise means that before here, before the Bible, before Genesis 1-1, God was existent and he was still deserving of that praise. And this Bible has been written right now and we're living in this world today by the word of God and that same God deserves the praise today and he deserves the praise forevermore. And today, when it's over, you're gonna have one less day to praise that God. So why aren't you giving it to him now? Verse 25 is also one of the only verses in the Bible that contain the glory, the majesty, the power, and the authority, all these attributes in one verse. That's how powerful it is. Glory is the totality of God's divine attributes. That's that blinding presence. That's the glory of God. Majesty is only mentioned three times in the New Testament, and that's that God is not just good. He's great. He's not just a king. He's the king of kings, and he's not just a lord. He's the Lord of lords. He's all-powerful, has the ability to do all things that are consistent with who he says he is. And he also has the authority on heaven and earth over all things. And so if we look back to that God, the God that we serve, and we know that only because of Jesus and through Jesus we can offer him that praise, and only because of Jesus that we can be presented blamelessly before the Lord, Here's my question for you and probably the elephant in the room. How are things between you and Jesus right now? If that's the only way you can be presented there, how's that relationship going? And I want to challenge you to think about that in ways that we can be better for ourselves to come to know God and that way we can live on mission for others. I want to invite the worship team up with me as I conclude here. I want to share a story about a boy who walks with his father. I share these stories because I feel like they're ways that we can understand who God is while still adhering to who he says he is. So there's a boy and a father, and they're walking along a trail in the woods. And the trail, like any woods, has rocks, has dead fallen trees, there's incline. It's, it's not a straight and easy path to walk. So the little boy, recognizing that there's some obstacles in the road, looks up to his father, and he grabs his father's hand. I think of it as him grabbing his father's finger, like when you have your child and you let him kind of walk you around with by the finger, like that moment. And so the little boy grabs his father's finger and he's walking down this path. But the boy slips and he loses grip of his father. So immediately the father picks him up and he makes sure that he's okay. And once the father knows that he's okay, he sets him back down on this path so that he can keep walking. And the little boy, trying to use his own strength again, knowing that he's already fallen, reaches back up for his father's hand, this time with a stronger grip than before. And using his own strength, he's trying to continue walking, but again, he falls down. The father picks him up and he looks at him and he says, listen, how about I hold your hand this time? And that story for me means a lot of different things. And it might mean something else to you. But the first thing I want to point out is that that boy walking with his father, even though he had fallen, there's a level of trust there. 
You have to trust your father even when you fall down. They didn't just go back to the parking lot and say, we'll start again a different day. The father picks him up. He knows he's okay. He sets him back down. The second thing I want to point out is that when the father picked up the little boy, they kept moving forward. Like we said, they didn't go back to the parking lot or, oh, we need to go get a Band-Aid for the scrape. No, he says, listen, you're going to be okay. We'll finish this together because I know that you're going to be okay. The boy trusts him, but they're not walking away. He sets, the father sets him down and they keep moving forward. But the last thing I want to highlight is the position of the hands in that story. When the little boy was grabbing for his father's hands, that's good. He trusts his father, but that little boy is using his own strength to do it. So when he kept falling, it was because he was using his own strength but when the father said, let me hold your hand, that little boy knew he was safe and secure because the father had a tight grip on his hand and he was able to lift him up over the rocks, able to pick him up and keep him going. He was able to keep that boy going and knowing that as long as he's there, he's gonna be okay. I wanna bring that to the forefront of our minds today that God is able to keep you because he has all the power in the world. He's just asking that you trust him. Trust him in ways that you've never tried before. God wants to use you for his power. So why not trust that God can do what only he can do? Will you please stand for me so I can pray for you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly and we just ask that you soften our hearts, Lord. Lord, we surrender our hearts fully to you so that we can watch your power be used through us to glorify you. God, we thank you that you're able to keep us even when we can't keep ourselves, that no matter what's happening in our lives, we can look to you and know that you have us in the palm of your hand. I pray that this message encourages people to know who that God is and that people praise that same God. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do and continue to do in our lives. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. I want to leave you with this this week. It's a challenge that no matter what you're going through, whatever problems you feel are impossible in your life right now, write them down. Write them down. And then I want you to meet this condition for letting God use his power in your life. I want you to surrender your will to his. I want you to commit these problems in prayer regularly. Not just when you wake up in the morning and before you go to bed, every time that problem comes to mind, give it to God because he's all powerful. And then I want you to believe. I want you to believe that he has the ability and the power to solve that problem in ways that even you can't explain. So I thank you all for being here with us this week. We look forward to seeing you next week. We love you. God bless.